My name is Eunice Bagumabo. Um, I'm the founder of the Africa Technology Business Network, which is a non-profit organization based in London that is really working to support African tech entrepreneurs to access the London tech ecosystem. So we run events here in London, uh, roundtables for investors, and we also run a, a conference called the Africa Technology Business Forum, where we, you, we, we gather um, investors in London, um, as well as members of the tech and business community who are interested in the emerging opportunities in Africa tech. Welcome to the African Tech Roundup, Eunice. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And happy Women's Day. Happy Women's Day? It's International Women's Day. No, that's supposed to be an 8th of March. Well, um, look, uh, on the continent, certainly in South Africa, it's celebrated on the 9th of August. And it's actually a public holiday here. Yeah. Well, anyway, we had a, we had an event on um, 8th of March. Uh, we had a, a pitch day for an all-women's pitch day. And it was International Women's Day then. But amazing if we have two. That's even more exciting. Yeah, so actually, you. as you speak, I'm just going to just make sure that I'm not... Um, I'm not getting my facts wrong because it's... Exactly. Uh, like a guy getting International Women's Day Can wrong. you believe it? How embarrassing exactly. would that it's be? No, it's not. But even worse wom- would be if I got it wrong. So maybe I'm hoping you're wrong. Actually. No, no, actually... Maybe there's a- African... I've heard of African Women's Day. So you're firstly... Let's get that straight. You are absolutely right. Thursday, the 8th of March... Uh, well, eighth of the eighth of March is International Women's Day, so the next one will obviously be next year um, in twenty eighteen. Yeah. Let's see um, what South Africa is celebrating. is celebrating today. Yeah, so no, it's abs- it's actually National Women's Day here in South Africa, uh, the 9th of uh, August, and it's in fact a, a public holiday, so everything's at a standstill to celebrate the ladies today. Great. So I'm happy to be um, South African for this moment and to say thank you on behalf of all the... <laughs> well, you're, you're halfway there with Africans, so... <laughs> true, true, true. So it's all um, good. You're one of us. So, well, and, and I thought I'd use that as a springboard, really, to to firstly... Um, I mean, you have an incredible product uh, project you guys are working on. We're going to talk about that, uh, a, a woman-specific project that I'm really excited about. We'll get to that. But I, I want you to give me a quick sense of uh, what uh, your sense of this, the state of women in tech uh, as far as Africa is concerned. I mean, speak to the continent, perhaps, the, perhaps the diaspora where you're based. What is your sense, you know, in a few, in a few lines or, you know, what sort of filters to the top in terms of what's top of mind? Yeah, so the first thing is I think um, what we see in Africa is Women are very entrepreneurial. I think the, the Africa Development Bank, you know, has done, um, did a study. I think it's the Women um, Economic Index. And it says um, African women are actually more economically empowered than anywhere else in the world in terms of their activity in entrepreneurial activities. Um, so we're running a lot of the businesses already. But the problem is we're running mainly the micro businesses. So when it comes to actually growth stage businesses, when it comes to accessing finance and credit to grow, we are finding that there are barriers because when you move from the micro then to the SME um, and tech, then the numbers really, really, you know, drop. Um, so what, what the challenge then is not that we are not, we don't have the ability, we're not entrepreneurial. Actually, it's actually showing even with micro businesses, we're having a greater impact on the community. So it says, you know, investing in a woman, you know, gives a 10 times return 
on for the community and for her family because they invest 90% back into their families. So we're starting from a really strong point, but what we're trying to understand and address is why when it comes to growing, when it comes to accessing technology, there is there are those barriers. And I think that that's what our program we developed was trying to address. How do we um, equip African women with the right innovation tools? How do we demystify technology to show that technology is a tool? If you're able to run your micro business, you're already solving a challenge for a customer. If you're already growing your micro business and being able to pay um, school fees for your um, children, then you are able um, to use technology as a tool to grow your business and be more efficient and grow your customers. So sort of, in a way, first of all, demystifying this whole tech thing and 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 and, and uh, um, making it something that's not alien, um, um, showing women that it's a tool that they can use in their business. And secondly, also the barriers around networks. I think when it comes to raising money or accessing credit, sometimes. Um, the issues are around not having the right networks, not having the right access. We as ATBN here in London, so as I mentioned, we do uh, a lot of activities to expose and connect African startups to investors and the tech uh, business community here in London. We, we've we put out a call before for startups that we uh, wanted to present to our um, community here. And we put out a call for um, something we run called Africa Tech Pitch. Um, and always the numbers uh, of women-led startups are low, and which for me is a very, very, it's almost a failure to me in my, in, on my end. So having one of, of the six startups that we presented being women-led was, you know, something that I, I, it was just unacceptable for, for me. And the challenge I found is like there's not many of them out there in the fi- first place. So there's a pipeline issue. Um, so I set up this accelerator program called Her Future Africa and really it's trying to address the pipeline issue of women-led tech startups in the African ecosystem. And really starting from the point of getting women with the ideas, who the young women who are entrepreneurial, who are already comfortable with technology because they're using digital, they're on social media, and then getting them to um, see technology as a tool that they can use to set up businesses and thus address the pipeline issue and say, let's get more talent in, let's get more women into the ecosystem, let's get more women-led startups. So earlier in the year, I pondered the the, the conundrum, um, you know, of the, you know, the, the economics of sort of including women or basically prioritizing women in, in as far as, or prioritizing the, the, the fast streaming of women into whether it's corporate s- circles, whether it's, uh, founding circles or uh, in finance as well. Um, the, I mean, the economics sort of work out in everyone's favor if we all back this thing. So the conundrum to me is why why is it not happening? Do you know what? I think I've thought about this as well. And I was reading, a, there was a recent article, the Google guy who's been fired for sending the anti-diversity memo. Oh yeah, and, the, know, sort of the quote-unquote saying, Google manifesto. Yes, exactly. He was saying, you know, it's actually, you know, inborn. Women have less uh, aptitude for technology and 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 etc. Um, and and that's so. And so I was having this 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 thought, like, why would someone think that? And why have we, um, you know, what is this this issue? And I think for me, it's systemic. I think that if you look at the way work has evolved, for example, so when we started out with you know, very manual tasks like people being coal miners and laborers and farmers, things, work that needed, you know, sort of 
depended on on muscle in a sense i guess is where the 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 trend started of more of men going to work and sort of women staying at home you know kind of thing we're moving into an um an age where now you know that's not the case and work has changed and a lot of work is digital but i think that the systems and the way work was created in the first place so even things like hours of work working 9 to 5 um you know the shift system it was all based on that historical design of work and i think what what needs to happen now is that change where um because the nature of work has changed the way work is structured has changed and means that women are participating more but also means that things like flexibility around family the fact that both uh, men and women are equally contributing to their households um they both have responsibilities for um looking after children the fact that we've moved you know it, it's now expensive to say you have house help or whatever or um you know some of these communities even with you know even, even we always imagine like having house help look after a child is something that rich people do but when you look at the way some of these communities worked sometimes they did things like leave their kids in groups and 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 they were raised in groups because of this so you have this scenario where you want to have one to one relationship with your ch- children you're both equally contributing something has got to give like we're just i think it's just that shift that system that shift that has to happen in where the nature of work has to meet the the new workforce that is doing it and the new nature of work um and i think that that's where the almost teething pains are happening and and we're seeing um um this discussions but like with all things you know we moved from like the manual industrial to management and that completely changed work i think now that women are fully 100% part of the workforce that's going to change as well and it will happen it's almost it's this inevitable push that it, it it will have to happen you know listening to you i don't get a sense that you're frustrated at the status quo to the point of like being bitter about it or anything like that i mean give me a sense of how being african and your context maybe culturally uh, might give you a certain pragmatism or a certain or a certain view to the issues that maybe a, a counterpart of yours in 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 say london born and bred uh in in europe or somewhere else in the developed world might not see or understand does that sort of background in your case factor into how you think about these issues at all i mean so this is something i i thought about when i i moved to london so i moved to london about 3 and a half years ago so i'm you know born and raised in uganda and that's why you know lived most of my life except when i left to do my masters briefly um so coming here and you know being very much um a supporter and interested in women in technology already having that background i joined a number of sort of women in tech groups here and um just women in business groups as well because um i wanted to be an entrepreneur i wanted to use the opportunity as you know just setting up my organization um one of the things i quickly noticed that was different between me and i guess um you know the typical british woman is there was a sense of guilt that i don't necessarily think we have in africa in terms of you know every time we talked about you know balancing work and life and um being able to pursue your career or and try and set up your business while also um uh you know giving the time that you want to your family that a lot of women here had a lot of guilt around that the fact that they were going out and pursuing pursuing their dreams they felt was time directly being taken away from their kids which i guess growing up in the 
um, African context where you have quite a lot of support um, raising your kids. And, you know, even with my friends, I know, obviously, um, we have very short maternity leave. So every time it was time to leave, you know, you know, lots of people didn't want to go back to work. They missed their kids. But it was never really in a sense of like guilty, like they knew I have to work. I have to, you know, I have to make money. I am going to work because of my kids, for my kids. Actually, I probably wouldn't work if I didn't even have, you know, I'm working harder now. A lot of people tell you I work harder now um, and I'm chasing my dreams harder now exactly because of my kids, because I want to leave a legacy for my kids. Uh, and it was a way that I can't, I think it's slightly different. And I think that that's what I've found is a different, um, I guess, nuance in the sort of women's empowerment or women's um, um conversations here versus the, the ones back home. Um, I think, um, like you said, uh, you know, we, we work and we're uh, innovating to survive. Everyone, you know, there's very few families in Africa that can survive on a single salary. So you don't have this pool of, say, you know, moms who are the, the moms that are, you know, at the bake sales, baking everything, <laughs> you know, they're at every PTA, making you feel guilty, like you're the working mom who is not, you know, who's... Making the who's, best outfits for the plays. And exactly. So, so. <laughs> we don't really have that group of people to make you feel guilty and feel like you're a bad mom. So... I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, it's the it one does. Thing actually, I, it's I very noticed, insightful hearing it. Uh, hearing it the way you're putting it, actually. Yeah, that I notice is a different. I mean, the struggles are still the same. Obviously, it, you know, in conversations around women empowerment in 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 Africa, you're you're coming up with a, you know other issues again, or you know domestic violence or whatever that come in that don't necessarily that I guess do come in in, in UK conversations, but not as as much. Um, but if you're looking specifically at the right of women to, to you know, pursue their ambitions, to set up their businesses, to pursue their careers, I think that's the thing that I've noticed is, is slightly different. And in a way, I kind of consider an advantage not having, yeah, not having that, 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 that sort of burden of guilt. But then again, um, I don't have any kids at the moment, so I might right. be. Um, I have a friend of mine who's also Ugandan who said, you know, there's a little bit of that there anyway, um, especially, obviously, even when you're having help or family or support helping you with your kids, there's still that sense of, you know, you're, you're proud, uh, very, very proud of what you're achieving and the legacy you're leaving with them and, and showing them that yeah, mommy, you know, does work, mommy can build a business. But you do go home and, and find maybe you've missed some things, you've missed some milestones. Yeah. And, and there is still, so I'm not saying that, that, that African moms don't 100% don't feel that guilt. But I think that um, in a way, it's not something that we sort of, uh, we, we understand that it's, it's you know, you have, you have to go out and work and you have to go out and, 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 and contribute. Yeah. And not to make women's issues about men at all, because as men, we have that, that tendency to, to sort of make everything about us. But I mean, I, I, in reflecting on what you're saying, I, I sense that many African men I know were really honest with themselves, men with children or perhaps married. They might admit that their ideal scenario is giving their wives or the women in their lives the option to stay home if they wanted to. You know, which is which is strange. I mean, you'd think at this point, like, uh, we'd sort of back a more quote-unquote progressive agenda in the mm. sense that um, I should almost expect that she wouldn't want to or anything like that. Oh, whereas um, I suppose we definitely still live in a sort of conservative mindset where, um, as a man, I, I'd consider myself bawling or, like, seriously, like, doing my Sorry, job. Sorry, can as... I ask you one question? Yeah. In this yeah. scenario, 
yeah. of these guys who might be thinking like this? Are they also thinking, I'm also, um, you know, I'm going to pay the bills. We're going to live the lifestyle that we want to live. Our kids are going to, you know, go to a great school. Um, and I'm, I've got this all covered. Or are they... Yeah. What, yeah. what is the I, thinking on this? Yes, I don't think in, in that scenario there is no compromise t- uh, with regards to the, the to the life we want to live. In other words, the best schools possible, living where we'd love to live. Um, the, well, let me home, tell you something. Now the problem, yeah. where the problem comes in, is the majority of men that I know who think like that are yeah. on the other end of the spectrum. They're the guys who don't actually, they're not able to actually fully support their families. They want the, you know, the family to live in, you know, the, at the, whatever level that they are able to provide. At the expense of their desire to be. Ex- the, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So a lot of the women are going out and working because, you know, the kids have been home, sent home for school fees for, for months, you know. Right. So this mindset, and I know that mindset you're talking about, and usually you find it, like you said, in that very traditional a mindset in people in the rural areas, and there are people that are not well off. They're not, you know, saying I've got everything covered. Stay at home. Right. No, it's right. more from a, you know, so no, but a power domination point of view of I want to control everything. I don't want you to be empowered because once you have money, then you know you can go off and do do stuff, and I can't right. control you. It's really an right. issue of control. I think that. Um, I, I do understand there are a few people that I'm always surprised as well. People who have been u- university educated, people that, um, you know, even people that are my age that will have a conversation and I will find something that I think, you know, a mindset. I'm just like, really? Yeah, you know, today, I, so I like, get, I, so today. I get what you're saying. I get yeah, what you're like saying. If I'm but honest, then, I'm kind of being vulnerable with my, I'm kind of being vulnerable here because, I mean, on some level, I know better. <laughs> on, yeah. On, on, yeah. And I also know yeah. how problematic this it can be if, you know, I'm on the far end of the spectrum of, of this sort of thinking, you know? Yeah. But the thing is, all the, the friends or people that the peers I've talked to who, who have that little thing that I guess I put down to the society we've been raised in, um, kind of, you know, still molds in that sense. And even though we are progressive, you know, if, if you got back one generation to our uh, parents' generation, we were, you know, raised quite conservative. So I think we still have remnants of that. But the thing that I guess tips it for them is they do want that extra paycheck coming in. They are happy when that you, their wife, you know, goes and brings in the yeah. money, yeah, and they're able to take a, you know, a family holiday to Dubai that they wouldn't otherwise. So it's almost like um, they want, you know, have their cake and eat it too. And I, I so that, I think that's the difference that I see. Yeah. And and hopefully, I, I. I yeah, hopefully it's progress in a way. I, I mean, I still think that in this day and age, that should should not be the case. So, I mean, the people listening to us, you know, who are uh, women listening to you, going, yeah, man, like you, you're, you're obviously hitting uh, hitting home in, in as far as expressing sentiments that are really expressed, even on this show. I have to admit, I mean, um, I'm embarrassed at how few women we have. Uh, within the context of tech uh, and innovation uh, on our show. And it's easy to hide behind the fact that we're relatively better than other platforms or that kind of thing. And speak to men, I mean, speak your heart to to men listening to the show, Africans living on the continent, uh, Africans in the diaspora who want to be part of the solution, right? Who want to be part of of harnessing what the data is showing. I mean... The data yeah. is, as you said, you know, and as I've, you know, written before, for, you know, in, in certain articles I've, I've published, you know, but I mean, the data shows that if we if we back this agenda, everyone wins. So yeah. speak to men who want to be part of the solution. How, how do we get in? 
I mean, really, for me, um, the reason I'm so, you know, passionate about, you know, women's equality and all these things, I, I don't think, first of all, I will say, I don't believe equality is sameness. Right. So just like, um, I guess, in a way, you have a team, everyone has different roles to play. Right. Um, and and it's not that one role is important and the other. I think the challenge has been is that the way that roles were defined and distributed was based on a different world from which we live in. So it's not fully utilizing the abilities and the strengths of the team players fully. And that structure needs to change. And women need to be given to fully contribute and fully bring themselves to um, family, to the communities, to, you know, to, to society. Um, and, and I see it as a missed opportunity. I see it, <laughs> the funny thing is I studied engineering and I'm, I always say myself I'm the least engineering kind of person that you could think of. But in a way, I'm obsessed with inefficiency. I, f- I find like a waste of resource. It's inefficient. That's the whole thing. I think women inequality is inefficient, even for you, even as a man. Like we said, if you're working to 100% support a family, there is someone in your family as well, who is a partner and a player on this team, who also has abilities, talents, skills, probably even above and beyond yours, that is not using them. Right. That is an inefficiency in the system, right? Right. Um, And I think the same comes with tech. Like if we're seeing women entrepreneurial, women are the backbones of communities in Africa. I don't think there's anyone who disputes that. So then when it comes to areas where like technology, where technology, we're seeing technology is a tool that allows you to impact so many people at the same time, to be more efficient, to grow, to scale. It's a powerful tool for solving problems. And and when you look at the fact that African women are, um, you know, usually disproportionately affected by the challenges on the African continent, who better then to sort of be part of creating the solution. If we are definitely passionate about really seeing Africa change, who better then than, you know, these women on whose backs this these communities have been for centuries being given the power and the tools to be a part and at the forefront of innovation. I think that when you, uh, if we make tech go, you know, sort of the Silicon Valley, you know, route where it's, you know, it's almost all, you know, boys club and, you know, it's all about, this exclusivity, then we are missing out on giving something that's a really powerful tool to solve our challenges. And we're leaving out people who understand the problems, that who have potential, who've already shown their ability to drive economic growth. And so it's a loss and it's a missed opportunity for us. And I think that is the thing that, in a sense, I hope appeals to people's mind because it's not about it just being fair. I'm not saying give up your position as the, you know, I think with all societies, there's kind of power balances. So I think yeah. one of the challenges um, some men might find with the women equality angle is I feel like I'm giving up some of my power to share right. it with somebody else. My kind of argument, my appeal to is you're actually, it's ineffective, you're actually losing. Like we would be moving so much faster, so much ahead if, if all the members of our society, men and women, were fully contributing to this, developing the solutions that are going to drive us forward. 
I love that because it's it's more in that context you're appealing to people who who don't for whom like a moral debate doesn't appeal or a moral argument doesn't appeal or an ethical argument or a human rights argument doesn't appeal. You, this is just bad for business. This is just bad for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been interviewing women in tech across Africa and I've had these amazing stories and insights. And there's one lady in particular I interviewed who was saying, "Look." You know, I consider myself, you know, she said she's, um, she's uh, Temi, the lady who runs uh, LifeBank in Nigeria, the founder of LifeBank in Nigeria. And she said, I am a member of the family. As a member of the family, I, my, my role is to contribute and my role is also to take. When you're part of a team, you, you know, the guy who is the striker also expects people to be to you serve know, the ball, to him. like basically... Exactly, yeah. exactly. You expect, expect people to pass you the, the, the ball. And I think that's the challenge with women. It's like we've been put in this scenario where you, it's like we're required to give, give, give and never to expect to take. And that's why when you have a partner who is supportive, who helps you, it's almost you're like you're so grateful, like they are a saint. You know, they shouldn't be. It is as it should be. Like, you, they are part of the team. You're, they're there to take from you and you support them, but they're also there to support you. That is how yeah. it is supposed to be. And we shouldn't feel guilty about saying, you know, watch the kids. I have a business meeting. I need to pursue my career. I need to pursue my dream. It shouldn't be an issue of, you know, guilt and, 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 and men shouldn't feel like they are saints and should get, you know, some kind of special halo for doing wow. that. No. Wow. You're part of a team. Wow. Well put. Well put. Excellent segue, by the way. Let's talk about why you're speaking to amazing um, African women um, embedded in really powerful powerful roles within tech, within... um, within big business across the continent, uh, across the world. Tell us a little bit about this project and how it came about. So... um I'm putting together a series of interviews with African female tech founders from across Africa and the diaspora um, and and putting them together into a book we're we're calling Founding Women. So part of this came about, so as I mentioned earlier, we do a women-focused tech entrepreneurship accelerator called Her Future Africa. And we ran that earlier this year in Ghana with 32 young women. And one of the things we found the most Um, impactful for participants, according to their feedback, was when we brought in mentors to actually speak to them. So, Mm. you know, we had this intensive bootcamp where we're giving them all sorts of tools around, um, you know, defining your business and your vision and speaking to customers and communicating ideas. We gave them lots of tools and lots of theory. Um, and, 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 and that was great. But I think, you know, for them, the most powerful thing was able to to come in, sit down with someone who's actually done it, because I think they were feeling overwhelmed at some point, like, are we going to be able to do this? Right. Um, and sit down with someone who had ex- exactly all the same questions and had still taken that one step forward and the foot other. And, and they found that really, really impactful. And then I, um, unfortunately, we're not able to get as many of the founders that we had uh, around technology specifically. Um, and it, it made me think, because we're trying to get women in technology, women starting up businesses in technology, how can I get that same experience of actually allowing um, aspiring young women to read these stories and just understand how, that it is possible, that you can do it. There are people that are already doing it, given that we don't have that many women in, in technology leading tech businesses in the first place. So I looked around sort of, I've been in the Africa tech space for a few years now, and I just looked around the different women who I know are out there. I think for me it was just, I thought it would be really powerful to put 
their stories together into a one resource that will that will be able to impact not only the women who go through our program, but anyone who picks it up and reads it. And I think that from the interviews, it's not just beneficial for a young woman or a young African woman who's aspiring to be um, to to get into tech or to set up a business. It's it's really insp- they're really inspiring stories for anyone. Yeah. Um, and what we, what I've um, managed to do is get people who are at various stages of the journey. So some people who've, you know, um, like Hilda Mora, who's actually exited and sold one business and is now on her second startup. And I remember asking her, like, so you went through all that and now you're doing it all over again. So, you know, really amazing stories, you know, stories like Rebecca Enontrong, who's set up a million dollar um, global business to people who are just, you know, earlier on in their journeys, people who failed at the first one and are trying again. So I'm really um, providing a range of diverse stories um, that we hope young women across Africa will see themselves in one of these stories. And and we also have women who are are techie themselves, so people who've taught themselves how to code, who had a a degree in computer science, but we have people who completely did not, you know. one of my interviewees said um, she's a reluctant entrepreneur. You know, she's just like, she, she didn't really ever want to be an entrepreneur. It was just all different kinds of parts to this. And people who, you know, have no technical background at all, but then managed to get a team together and sharing how they did it to go around um, setting up a technology business. And I think the one message that resonates with, with, with all of them is that, that should, if you're not techie or you're not necessarily have tech skills, that should not stop you. Tech is just a tool. And, and one of them put it really clearly and said, even if you had tech skills, there would be other skills you didn't have. Maybe you won't be good at sales. Maybe you won't be good at marketing. Maybe you won't be good at, at something else, at pitching right. to investors. So it's you need all these things to come together. You need the tech with the communication with the to come together and whichever ones you have you always have to somehow build a team and network to get the others in so similarly with tech it's just another skill that you need to access um and you can learn if you if if you're so inclined but you can also get it through other people um yeah. and it just shouldn't be this barrier like i think um there's just been this you know i think even the way we put it like oh women in tech it's just like this tech is this Thing you enter, it's this club you enter, it, and really what a, you want there's to a do sense to the of, book. Yeah, there's a sense of otherness. Um, yes, that yes. excludes I, you. Oh, exactly. I presume uh, uh, there's a young woman listening to this right now who, even hearing you speak, feels like you're over there, and that's for you. You yeah, know, and exactly. and one day maybe <laughs> it might exactly. be for me. Yeah. And that's what I do. I get these women's stories, and you put it in a way showing you what they've been through. They've had the same challenges. They've had the same obstacles. One of the ladies I interviewed is a single mom. And, you know, she found that she was pregnant just as she was, you know, sort of, you know, thinking about starting her business. So the the journeys and the stories are so personal. And you see these women and where they are and what they're doing. And um, I, I'm hoping it will really inspire um, anyone that's being held back, anyone that thinks any young woman that thinks that, um, you know, they can't do something or they're, you know, they're kind of hesitating or, uh, you know, that's kind of what the book is about. It's just for us is to empower and unleash this um, this potential that we know is out there um, among young women across Africa. When we did our program with um, the 30 women and, and their ideas, I remember on our, we had a demo day on, on 8th of March 
International right. Women's Day. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> the <laughs> but, um, international one, yeah, not this, yeah, this South African one. I remember yeah. sitting in the room and these ladies were pitching and, you know, we'd given them, you know, quite intensive training. They were pitching like pros saying about their route to market and who their customer was and, you know, what their business model was going to be. And I was like, why do we not have women-led startups? Like, look at these women. Like, their ideas are incredible. Their energy is incredible. The way the what they're presenting is amazing. And it just made me realize the potential that's out there that's just waiting to be unlocked, that's waiting to be an opportunity. And for many of them, they'd never even been to where we we hosted up uh, our boot camp was uh, at iSpace in Ghana, which is like the leading tech hub yeah. in, in yeah. Ghana. And many of them hadn't even been there before. And they had you had incredible tech ideas. And this was the first time and we'd introduced them into the ecosystem. The the now had co-working membership there, because iSpace was um, generous enough to offer us the the the, the free co-working membership for all our participants. And all of a sudden they were plugged in. One of our participants actually met a co-founder, mm. you know, through through that. Um and so it was just amazing to me how the potential is already there. I yeah. think it's just giving them um and that's what we're trying to do through our programs, giving them the right tools. Um, you know, that boost of, you know, role models, I think are important to show you you can and it's doable and you can work through those challenges. And then it's giving access to the right networks to say, join the ecosystem, come in. Yeah, yeah. Here's why I think you're really onto something. The world comes to us for stories, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And and, And I love that you're finally taking charge of shaping a narrative that yeah. you know for our people for us by us which is one one yeah. thing i love and the other thing i really love is inherent to your organization and, and it's even in, the, in your name and even what you just mentioned now you know the africa technology business network i've been part of very vibrant debates of late regarding you know investor bias in in africa startup scene and and really how most of the the money that ends up in in, in startups most of it that that comes from abroad to finance quote unquote local startups ends up you know financing startups backed by you know expats and mm-hmm. and this access to network or lack thereof is is turning into this proxy for perpetuating you know stereotypes perpetuating uh prejudice and really just keeping a, a whole generation in the dark and 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 and, and unengaged and yeah. so on on those two for those two reasons i really do i can't endorse enough like the work you guys do and, you. and the project you guys have going no genuinely um Rebecca and Chong is a friend of the show. There are people in your network that have put us on to the stuff you guys are doing. And, and yeah, more power to you, man. What can I say? Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, just mentioning, like for me, I see, uh, you know, ATBN as, as local African startups having an insider, I guess, in, in, in the global ecosystem. Exactly. That's what I love I'm that. trying to do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm advocating, I'm finding, you know, really smart startups. And it's also trying to do the translation. I think part of the reason we started the programs to actually support um, entrepreneurs and specifically female entrepreneurs on the ground is to translate those expectations. So there is a certain way that um, an international investor here is expecting you to present your business in terms of this is what they're looking for. They want you to understand what your market is, how you're going to access that market, how are you going to grow? If I give you this investment, how are you going to use it? And we're finding that 
um, some of the start African startups don't necessarily have that. Um, yeah. And I guess for me, again, is if we can grow into this credible organization, you know, continue to grow into this credible organization that's representing Africa Tech, because a lot of the, the things, the argument for, you know, say international investors investing in expatriate um, founders is that they know them, they understand, they understand them. So if as, an organi as, as organizations like ATBN outside of Africa building that brand, if we can become that proxy for that um, sort of sense of trust and, and start to work and um, prepare entrepreneurs um, in, in terms of the, the expectations that international investors want, and as well as translating to the investors. We actually had a, a session at our, uh, our annual forum last year around value-added investment. And the, the question was, what value should international investors add to startups? What do startups need? So normally the panel is the other way around. It's like, what does an investor want from the startup? Actually, right. we were saying investing in an African startup is not just like investing in a Silicon Valley startup. There's a lot more that needs to go in because right. the ecosystem is is nascent. So you need to, you know, you need to be able to come in with you know, um, you know, you're probably going to have to get your hands dirty as well. And it was kind of flipping the conversation. And I think that that is something that we as ATBN are trying to do is like, you know, you think, you know, they need to prove themselves to you. You need to prove themselves to us. Do you understand the market? Are you bringing more value? Or are you just bringing uh, money? The money, um, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But um, yeah, so that that's us. Thank you wow. so much for those kind yeah, of comments. Yeah, and I mean, listen, um, everyone listening, head to africatbn.com. Um, check out what Eunice and her team are up to. Tell us how we can make sure this book happens. Tell us how we can make sure that you are fully supported with regards to um, landing the best possible interviews, featuring the best possible examples of um, female uh, African excellence in your book. I know there's a, a crowdfunding campaign on the go. Tell us what to do. <laughs> Yes, great. So we're running a crowdfunding campaign to help us, um, first of all, to print um, copies of the book when we have that ready. So we're aiming to have those ready by Christmas. Um, so you can support by, first of all, by pre-ordering a copy of the book. And not only that, every uh, book that is ordered, we're actually going to be giving away one for free to a young, promising female entrepreneur. Um, it's identified like it. um, across the continent, either through our programs and also through our social media campaign. So those women that we think will really be accelerated in their journey by having a resource like this. So not only are you, can you get a copy for yourself, you can actually help a young woman um, to, to access one. Another thing, actually, we would love to hear more from African female founders. Obviously, all the ones I've found have been through my networks. I've interviewed over 10 of them so far, but would love to interview more. So if there is a, a female tech entrepreneur, they should be in a tech-enabled business. We're quite broad in our definition of tech, but they should be the founder, the co-founder. You know, we're very active on social media, on Facebook and on Twitter, at AfricaTBN. Um, just tag her or mention her name with a hashtag founding women and we will definitely see that and, and sort of try to reach out to them. Also, anything you can do to help share the campaign. So we have uh, the, the details about the campaign are pinned on our on our social media pages again. And or if you just search hashtag founding women, you know, online, you'll be able to see all the activities and get the link to the crowdfund. So Please share. Let's make this book happen. At the moment, we are at 10% of our campaign, which means we can give away 15 books. 
and we and and that's enough to support one woman for six months um, dedicated support to actually help them set up their business through our accelerator program and we are looking to raise ten thousand pounds to help ten women through our for six months through our program and give away one fifty books so Help us get there. Please, hashtag founding women. It's definitely a, a cause worth supporting. Eunice Bagoma Ball of Africa Technology Business Network, repping hey. Uganda out there in London. Thank you so much for chatting with us here on the African Tech Roundup. You're welcome.